You've equipped us, you've anointed us so that we can be builders of your kingdom jointly, freely with you. And all the saints that came before us and those who are yet to be born are going to continue to build the kingdom as we have been part of laying the foundation who is our chief cornerstone but Yeshua, Jesus our Messiah. To his name be all praise and glory and honor. And thank you, Ruach, for being here with us today, that we can sense your presence. To your name, O Abba, Father God, we give all praise and glory and honor. Amen. Bless the Lord. This message will be in a two-part because of our time, and that's fine. Because you know what? As the Spirit leads, we are so directed, and we walk in what, how the Spirit leads his people. Amen? So today's message is entitled, Yeshua Instructs on the Heart. He gives teaching on what our hearts should be like. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew, Matthew, chapter 12, beginning at verse 33. That's Matthew 12, 33. If you make a good tree, its fruit will be good. I like what it says in that first part of that verse there. If you make a tree good, the fruit will be good. And you may be thinking, well, what's he talking about here? No man or woman has the ability to make a tree. But he's speaking now in parables, Yeshua is. He's instructing both his Talmudim, his disciples, and all those who are hearers of the word of God that is proceeding from his mouth to hear his word and to think on these things. You, its fruit will be good, and if you make a tree bad, its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. So he's not speaking here necessarily about literal trees. He's speaking about men and women and what we allow to be made in our lives by what we allow ourselves to be influenced by. So continuing, now he speaks to these other individuals. You snakes, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what overflows from the hearts. He is shaking these Pharisees to their core by calling them snakes, all right? So continuing, the good person brings forth good things from his store of good, and the evil person brings forth evil things from his store of evil. Moreover, I tell you this, on the day of judgment, people will have to give an account for every careless word that they have spoken. We got to hear that again. I need to hear that again. Moreover, I tell you, who's telling this? Yeshua. On the day of judgment, who shall be judging but Yeshua? The day of judgment, people will have to give an account of every careless word that they have spoken. What a blessing would be that we would capture every word before it's even spoken and run it by the filter that God is giving us. That is the Ruach, the Spirit of the living God. See, Yeshua is addressing the teachers here, the Torah teachers, the Pharisees, 
And he's telling them to speak the word of God and that only. Do not give your opinion on things, for you shall be judged. Continuing in verse 37. For by your own words you will be acquitted, and by your own words you will be condemned. Wow. That means that every word that I've spoken, from the very instant I was able to form words that other people could understand, I'm going to have to give an account for those words. And when I became a believer at age 12, those words meant even more. Because then I was a new believer in Messiah. And we need to take these things into account. How many times has the spirit of living God forced you, encouraged you to bite your tongue, to say nothing? But what did we do? We proceeded. I'm guilty of that. <coughs> Amen? And that's what Yeshua is dealing with right now. Because he's saying to this, to these leaders, these Pharisees, he recognized them as teachers of the Torah. They did not have the full and complete right opinion or interpretation of it, but they were still leaders in the community. So he's warning them because they're leading the people astray. Let's continue. Verse 38. At this, some of the Torah teachers said, Rabbi, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. Why did they make that statement? Because they wanted to divert the attention from themselves. Because picture this, if you will, a religious leader of a congregation, then all of a sudden Yeshua walks through the doors and he addresses that leader of that congregation and says, you snake, what's going to happen? Everyone's going to turn around, look at Yeshua, and then look forward. Look at the, they're looking now at the snake. And he's rebuking them. So what they try to do here is they try to divert the attention away from themselves and their authority. Because in the eyes of the people, their standing and their authority, their interpretation of Torah, their opinion of Torah, their, their, their opinion on how one is to live out their lives, honoring Torah and honoring God was being examined by him who gave Torah. And so that's why they say this diversion. They say, we, now we want to see another miracle. Why? And all the people would say, in their hearts say, yeah, we want to see another miracle. We can't get enough of these miracles. But what Yeshua is doing is this. Every time he performs a miracle, it is to bring the people to what? To repentance. To repentance. That is God's goal for the seed of Abraham, is that everyone in the seed of Abraham, both members and attenders, would have a contrite heart of repentance, not condemnation. Please understand, the enemy brings condemnation. All right? We're condemned by our words, as Yeshua is saying in this passage. But we are to go to the point of repentance with contrition contrite hearts. Just as Brother Allen shared earlier today, where repentance needs to start for true revival in America is in the house of the Lord, starting with the leaders. That includes the board and everyone that has areas of leadership in dance, in leading a worship, in participating. 
every, every aspect. Because if we truly become a contrite-hearted people, other people who come into our midst will notice that. Here's a repentant people who are worshiping the Lord their God in truth and in spirit. They're truly worshiping the Lord. Let us continue, verse 39. And he replied, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. No, none will be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Jonah. What he's saying is this. I've shown you individuals, you Pharisees here, this small group. It was not all, just some. Because there were some Pharisees that were beginning to believe and they were starting to go through acts of repentance in their hearts. We're introduced to them later. Nicodemus is one. And there are many, many others. So continuing. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster. Okay, some of us have, have read in scripture, well, that's a whale. All right? But what does Yeshua say right here? He calls it a sea monster. And I tell you this, from Jonah's perspective, when he was swallowed by that giant being, of course, it appeared to him as a sea monster. But look at God's provision. Even though we see a wayward prophet not walking in the will of God, and think about this, a prophet of God or prophetess, because they're both in scripture, they heard and they knew the voice of the Lord. But how sad it is in a nation when your prophets and your prophetess are not walking in the will and the way of God. God has a way of turning their world upside down and inside out so he can get them on their full attention. And what does he do? You know the rest of the story. He has that one sea monster regurgitate Jonah, the prophet of God, on the shore. And what does he do the very first thing? He doesn't argue with God. He simply goes to the, to the land there, the city of Nineveh, and he proclaims repentance. You people need to go through repentance. And you know what? It's amazing. If you study about Nineveh, there, that sea monster actually represented one of their gods. And with that, you know, in their carnal, in their culture, they received that as a spoken word, a literal spoken word of a human being that they probably was never recorded before, of being regurgitated upon their shore. And what did he do? He came and he spoke not of that God that rep represented of that sea monster, but truly the one true God. For here was God's holy prophet. Even though he stench from the sin that he's walking therein. And I'd really uh, declare this to you. As we as believers walk in sin, the world can smell it. Other believers can smell it. Amen? Don't think you're fooling people. You're not fooling God. You're not fooling the Ruach. Because if we allow sin in our lives, that stench is in our lives. Amen? But if we have repentant hearts and we do acts of contrition, 
Contriction. I'm saying the word wrong. Contrition. Thank you. These are not in my notes. But as we do this with an honest and open heart before the Lord, he takes our crimson sins, though they be red as scarlet. The Lord gave me an awesome revelation of that yesterday, last night, and this morning. 14 to 16 inches of snow. All right? Though your sins be as scarlet, I shall make them white as snow. Amen. And that was a great illustration that I got a lot of great exercise from. Continuing on with the message. Verse 40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so was the son of man. And all of them in their hearing, they know that this is a messianic term. They know the story of Jonah, all right? They understand it. Why? Because traditionally now in the synagogue on Yom Kippur, what is one of the assigned Haftorah readings? But the book of Jonah. Okay? And sometimes we think, well, these rabbis just came up with these ideas. No. Where did they get it from? From the Tanakh. All right. So continuing, the Son of Man, whose Messiah shall be three days and three nights in the depths of the earth. And who is he speaking of? Himself. He's saying, I'm now proclaiming to you a prophecy that I shall fulfill. And everyone that is listening to him, because it's only between three and three and a half years later, they see this fulfilled. And it shakes the whole nation of Israel when Yeshua raises from the dead. Have you ever really read that scripture? All four gospels that gives a record of that? It says that when he rose from the dead, that there were saints of old that also came out of the grave sites, out of the tombs, and they proclaimed the word of God. So talk about shaking up the nation. Let's continue. Verse 41 the people of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Think about that. These Pharisees are standing. They're saying, we are the main Torah teachers. We're the one with credentials. Who do you think you are? What this is Yeshua is doing. He's saying literally telling them the truth. Just as Alan shared today in the Torah portion where Sarah denied that she, la that she laughed. The Lord will not let us get away with lies. He will expose them. They will be cried from the housetops. Because you know what? He wants a real and truthful relationship with us. And don't waste your time lying. Let's continue. The, the people of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they turn from their sins... Do you hear that word? They turned away from their sins. They acknowledged that there was no hope. They were on a path of destruction. And when they saw that prophet of God who was regurgitated upon their shores, who walked through their cities and called them into repentance, what came upon the people? But a spirit of repentance. They desired to honor the Lord. The scripture says that they put on sackcloth and ashes. 
and they repented before the Lord. How beautiful in the sight of the Lord is his people walking in repentance and agreeing with the spirit of the living God when he speaks that you're walking in sin. You veered off from the path. What a beautiful situation for us to be in. You know why? Because then there's redemption. There's restoration. And that's why we as believers should not be ashamed. When the Lord has us go through seasons of repentance. Because you know what? If we do not do that, and if the Spirit of the living God does not speak to us on those terms, we shall be lost. Because we have a free will. But if our free will is not aligned with Abba Father God's will, we can be lost. That's why Rav Shaul said these words. Least I be a castaway. Now if a man of God who has, most people give him credit for writing as much as two-thirds or more of the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament says, least I be a castaway. That should all of us think about this, to work out our Yeshua, our Jesus, our salvation with fear and trembling. Amen? The Lord's good. Continuing. The people of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they turned from their sins to Abba, Father God, when Jonah preached. But what is here is now far greater than Jonah. Yeshua is saying, I'm the greatest prophet that ever was and ever shall be. He's bringing that to their full attention. Continuing, verse 42. The queen of the south will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Shlomo, who is King Solomon. But what is here is now greater than King Shlomo or Solomon. You know what's said on Solomon's day? That he had young men in chariots who would follow him. And silver became like rocks. They had gold and silver dust in their hair. And they would follow behind him as, as they were proclaiming him throughout the land. It talks about Solomon, that his wisdom and knowledge was far greater than any other human being. But what is Yeshua declaring here? I'm a far greater king. I am far more wise and wisdom. Because you know what? The people were listening to this. They remember Shlomo, Solomon, falling away from the Lord and marrying all these other uh, women from these nations to, to start peace treaties and also actually taking his own children and offering them to Baalim, to Baal. So Yeshua is saying these, and this is what we're missing many times. Those people from other cultures who do not spend time reading and studying the Old Testament, the Tanakh. This is the depth and riches that Yeshua is pulling out of these people at this time. And just these very, very few verses. Because you know what's happening here? Their minds are beginning to, to race. 
all of a sudden those scripture verses are popping in their heads. And you know, they remember the story, but the clarification and the application is being laid out before them, undeniable. So let us continue. Verse 43, and now he changes things. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, okay, it travels through a dry country seeking rest and does not find it. What is a demon? A fallen angel. One who stood in the very presence of God and allowed themselves to be deceived and follow the will and the plan of Hasatan, Lucifer, who was the chief of all the angels. The true number one worship leader in all of heaven. Think about that. And this is what these people see and they understand because they understand the Tanakh. Continuing, verse 44. Then it says to itself, this demon, it has intelligence. I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house standing empty, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and it takes with it seven other spirits more evil than itself. Think about that. Seven evil fallen angels more evil than itself. We have warring angels. We have protective angels. You know what's amazing? They're fighting against as they're protecting us. They're former allies. Because every angel that was ever created was created for the will and the glory of Abba Father. And I declare this to you. Every man, woman, and child ever created was created for the same purpose. So do not look at people as we do here on earth. Look at them as the Father does. Now, these falling angels, these demons, they can never be redeemed. There's no salvation plan for them. But every fallen man, woman, and child, there is a redemption plan. And it's in Yeshua. So we must be arise and be about the Father's business in proclaiming the good news. So let's continue. Verse 45. And then it goes and takes with itself seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they come to live there. So that the, in the end, the person is worse off than he was before. This is how it will be for this wicked generation. Because you know why? What he's saying to them? You now have heard the truth unfiltered. I am one greater than the prophet Jonah. I am one greater than the king Shlomo Solomon. I'm here leading you to all truth. But if you go and you embrace that sin that you were once now delivered from, because now you've been enlightened by the true word of God, by literally the word of God in human flesh, he's bringing this to their attention. Let's continue. Verse 46. He was still speaking to the crowd when his mother and brothers appeared outside asking to talk to him. Now think about this. When Miriam went to the temple, 
to dedicate Yeshua after her purification time had come. She went there and she met two prophets along with her husband. One was named Anna and the other one was named Simon or Simon. And they proclaimed different things to her, all right? And so now we fast forward some 30 years because Simon, Simon gave this that there will be many raising and lowering in Israel and the sword will be against him, Yeshua, which is a representative of death. And so she would be contemplating all these things and you know what, Yeshua had brothers and sisters. I don't know why the scripture leaves out the name of the sisters, but it gives the names of the brothers, all right? And so these who are coming, there are some congregations, namely the Roman Catholic Church, that, that teach this. Those were not his literal brothers and sisters. They were simply cousins, all right? Because what they want to do is perpetuate the lie of Miriam being a virgin for the rest of her life. But then they have a problem with this. When in scripture it talks about Yaakov, James, all right, where did he come from? All right, that was his next youngest brother. So let us continue here. Verse uh, 47. But to the one who informed him, Yeshua replied, who is my brother and who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his Talmudim, his disciples, he said, Look here, my mother and my brothers. Whoever does what my Father in heaven wants. Do you hear that? So if you want to be part of Yeshua's family, continually, all the days of your life, you need to be doing what? What the Father wants you to do. Amen? Let's continue. Whoever does what my Father in heaven wants, that person is my mother, my brother, my sister, and my mother. Okay? That's the portion of scripture. Yeshua is laying aside his earthly relationships, and he's drawing them out. And it appears to his Talmudim, it's like you're disrespecting your mom. Aren't you breaking one of the Ten Commandments? What is it, one of the Ten Commandments? Honor your what? Your father and mother, right? So he's honoring his father and putting his mother in her proper place. Abba, Father. Joseph is not even mentioned here. His earthly stepdad. And there are many times we forget about that, right? So what comes around every December 25th? We see a celebration, right? And if you really study that closely, in the scripture, the Magi don't show up till when? At least two to two and a half years later. See, that's where we have to set aside our tradition. And that's what Yeshua is dealing with right now. He's dealing with man's tradition by the Pharisees, okay? And he wants us to lay aside every tradition so that we'll walk in the will and the ways of God. So this is the first part of this message. 
Now search the scriptures and see what I've shared with you, whether or not it's true or not. Whatever's true, receive it. Whatever is not, set it aside. Amen? Otherwise, you're falling underneath another teacher's tradition. And that's why we're to be what? People of the book. Having wisdom, knowledge, and discernment, being led by the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Amen. Brother Tim?